Hey y'all, Alan here, and welcome to A Journey's Rest, a podcast focused on the vast but deep set of topics about the complexity and joy of roleplay games. Whether you need to attune to a magic item, regain some hit points, change out spells, or just reminisce with friends, here we just sit down for around about an hour and enjoy ourselves. This week, Bonk is back, and we are flying through an interdimensional void destined for your ears. To get there, our episode will be fueled by Brooke and Alan talking about their favorite one-shots, how to make those one-shots cool, and many other very, very fun things. We hope you survive the journey. I mean, uh, what? That wasn't supposed to be in the script. Uh, I mean, hope you enjoy. Good recovery, Alan. see you there, Brooke, across the room from me. Huh? Wow. You apparated directly in the seat that I had placed there for my invisible ghost guest. But on what? the bright side, you're here now. Wait, hold on. Is the, Can I open the door? Can I? No, wait, you're not. Yeah, I mean, you're material. What did you? I didn't do anything. There's nothing outside the door. Yeah. It's an endless void. We're flying in the endless void. Once again, I'm an eldritch being, and this is my podcast. Hi, everybody. I'm Alan, uh, and I'm here with my good, good friend, Brooke. Well, howdy. And today, we are going to talk to you about one-shots and how to make them good. And, what? And what we like about them and what we don't like about them and stuff. And thanks. And things many things yeah yes um so today really quick though my house is being barraged with winds very loud and so if you hear creaking let's all just pretend that we're on some spooky ghost ship and providing wonderful story time uh fantasticness to each other uh i probably can't hear it nearly as much as brooke can right mm -hmm. now but it is very creaky so i'm sorry i'm sorry if your auditory glands what? are assailed by by the creaking of my house. You say this, but now it's not going to happen. That's the most annoying part about, you know, the one law about saying it and it, it, it happens or it doesn't happen. Yeah. I forgot about it. Brooke, one shots. What are they, Alan? Well, a one shot is a game of D&D or any role play game for that matter that you... Um, can play in one day. And the goal is to be able to convey an interesting plot or story within the amount of time that you and your friends have sat down to play D&D with in a day. And that's pretty much it. Oh. Um, yeah, I know. You've never played one before. No, you have. We've, we've both played, played many, many one-shots, yes. I was going to say, so you get it done in one shot. Yes, exactly. Oh! Unfortunately, a lot of times people don't get them done in one shot. Yes. And sometimes that is, it's hard to come up with a story that lasts only like four hours. Yep. Right? And so sometimes you have to be really tight with your story building, mm -hmm. right? And sometimes I think even one shots can be way harder than writing just a session of D&D. &D. 
right? Because I will try and find like, okay, what encounters can I put in here? How can I streamline things to make it seem interesting? And also, um, you know, uh, simple, interesting and simple um, so that the players don't get lost, they don't get bored, and they don't feel like it's taking forever. You know what I mean? Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, number one, making characters takes some time, mm-hmm. you know? Number two, playing the game takes some time. And number three, you have to factor in for if your players are trying to figure out how to play the game, especially if it's their first time playing D&D, um, it can take a little while to get into the swing of how to play the game, right? Especially when you're trying to introduce D&D to new people, it can take a little bit of extra time. So, yeah. yeah. I'm a, I'll be real with you guys. I have... Never DM'd anything in my life ever. Mm-hmm. So you will not be getting the DMing experience from me that will be uh, handed to us solely from Ellen. Well, yeah, but I think there's also a lot of value in taking different perspectives when talking about D&D. Because I think um, anyone who comes in expecting me to know everything listening to this podcast is like a citadel of wisdom is going to be sorely disappointed because I, uh, I, I feel like I've put a lot of effort into learning a lot about D and D, but some of the joy about D and D is hearing from different people, you know, yeah. um, having different perspectives is some of the most awesome stuff because I mean, what is the storytelling of humanity, you know, from the beginning of time, you know, it, the joy of telling stories is that they're all different and they're all exciting in their own way and they're not made by the same person. So, yeah. Mm. So, um, Brooke, we got a couple different things that we're going to start talking about. All right. Um, first off, why don't you go ahead and tell me about one of your favorite one shots that you've played in? This is me rubbing my hands together in anticipation. Oh, boy. Uh Next time you have to rub them a little closer to the microphone so that people can hear. There you go. Perfect. We got to get that good, good sensory feeling. Okay. (laughs) Um, One of my... Okay, my absolute favorite one-shot that I've ever played actually wasn't a D&D one-shot. It was, I believe, a Monster of the Week one-shot. Monster of the Week is by uh, Powered by the Apocalypse. It's a D6 system. Yeah. Um, And if you know... Anything about the SCP universe? Yep. You have surely heard about oh, the, no. the haunted IKEA. Oh man! And this one shot that we played, we were a uh, team of people that worked in the SCP Foundation uh-huh. that were tasked to go into the the haunted IKEA to try and rescue a scientist that had went in and not yet come out. I played a professional character who at one point was being chased by a faceless mannequin. Yep, that, as one does. Well, they are technically the employees of a store, and once the store closes, they mm. chase you around and say, the store is now closed, please leave. But you can't, because it's an infinite Ikea. Yep. And uh, she was being chased by one of these guys, so she stacked a bunch of boxes on top of each other and with her sniper rifle that she had started sniping people down from on top of this tower except one of the people that was with her at first wasn't keen on the idea of getting on top of a tower of boxes Mm -hmm. but as it became more apparent that i was wrecking their s i don't know if we can curse in this podcast Yeah, you can say shit as much as you want i mean we probably prefer to keep it less yes but nonetheless well, as she was wrecking shit, this person thought, ah, it's, you know what? 
I think I'm going to try and climb on top of a bunch of cardboard boxes oh, gosh. to try and go and sit with this person who's sniping down all of these mannequins, and mm-hmm. you will never guess what happened. Hmm. Let me think. Did the cardboard boxes explode? Well, you're close. Okay. Did they become gelatinous ooze? No. That would have been my second guess. You would think that they would have all toppled. But my character wasn't having that shit, and she kicked the person off the tower. Why did you kick your friend off the tower? Because we weren't friends. Ah, okay. We were merely people trying to survive in this goddamned Ikea. But don't isn't having multiple people there with you to help you survive good? Well, it was either we would both fall to our deaths or one of us would fall to our deaths. I see. So they were not very happy about that. Hard choice. But I will be real with you guys. I don't think anybody survived that one shot. Mm-hmm. But had a lot of fun traversing an infinite Ikea and trying to figure out how to hide in between shelves, stack furniture on top of each other, and just experience the sheer panic yeah. of being chased by employees. Yeah. Because I understand that when people come in right before closing, I get that feeling. Yeah. But this is a whole nother level of that. Yep. Absolutely terrifying. Yep. Very fun. Wonderful. Um, I think actually my favorite one shot um, that I've ever been a part of mm-hmm. is the one that we ran last weekend. I think that was actually the first one, and and, and it's from a DM perspective mm-hmm. because I feel like I haven't effectively written a good one shot until that point. Really? Yeah. Um, I had, uh, I have run like pseudo one shots, you know, like where I'm like, oh, here's our one shot. Actually, no, the. The Prince of Chains ones were pretty good, um, but I don't know if I would necessarily call them one shots. I think character building. They were kind of one shots. Yeah, you could call you could have called them one shots, mm-hmm. but they turned out not to be one shots at, at, at like after a while. But nonetheless, it was kind of like a like I, I didn't have a ton of time to ruminate. I didn't have any like grand plan behind it, which I did have with the Prince of Chains stuff. But I. Um, I just knew I needed to write a one shot and I mm-hmm. knew I had to do it that day and I knew I had to figure stuff out and get it done and make sure that it was succinct and fun, right? Mm-hmm. And so as a DM, um, I have in the past re- written very bad one shots, right? I have written one where I had this city called Blackwater and it was the very first city that I ever made something for D&D in and you might remember that from Ebonvale. Like, th- there was some lore about Ebonvale, about how they warred with Ebonvale during its creation and stuff like that. Um, but I, I slapped that original one-shot idea I had into my world in that area. Yeah. And so, because I was like, oh, well, I put so much work into it. I might as well anyways hey, put it you, there. Can, for the listeners, can you just pronounce the name of the kingdom that this was set in? The one shot? Yes. Yes, the Poirot Valier Kingdom. I still I can't say it. Try saying it three times fast. Poirot Valier Kingdom. Poirot Valier Kingdom. Poirot Valier Kingdom. Well, you don't have to show off. Well, you asked me to. Gosh. So I don't know what you want from me. Man. Um. So ultimately, uh, 
ultimately I was able to do that. And I really kind of like stuck to my guns because other times I've kind of had this rule of like, I, I want to keep it to like three or four events, right? Um, and, and I kind of made that rule up a little while ago. Um, like when I started doing the Prince of Chains one shots. And so I guess I kind of count them as one shots. But um, I knew that I couldn't, I couldn't just like have a bunch of different events going on because it would just be too cluttered all mm -hmm. over the place, right? Whereas like this old one shot in Blackwater that I wrote, it started with everybody getting together in a tavern and then talking to this um, talking to this guy. And this is, by the way, the first D&D stuff I ever wrote. So if it sounds corny and cliche, it's because it is. There's um, nothing wrong with I, that. Yeah, you know, you know, but I'm just letting you on in the, in the first moment here to know. All right. Um, they would go to this tavern and they met uh, this, this uh, guy named Caius. And then Caius would lead them around. And then he basically said, oh, I need this. Uh, I need this item. Can you help me get it? And then they would go to the market and they'd try to get information. And once they got information, they'd be able to go somewhere. And then once they went that place, they'd be able to steal this thing. They'd have to go through three different fight encounters to get there. And then they left there and then they would bring it back to Caius. And then the, Caius would say, okay, cool. Now we got to get on this boat and we got to go sail to this place. And then they would get on the boat and then they'd start sailing. And oh then Caius gosh. would say, Caius said, okay, just kidding. I meant to kill you all. Okay, bye. And then... And then he would seal the thing that they had, and then they'd be attacked by a kraken, and then that was the one shot. This is like the wizard puzzle. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff, Ooh. right? And and I was just like, wow, this is a good one shot, right? And I started running it, and then we got through like a fourth of it. And I was Aww. like, oh my gosh. I made way too long of... Oh yeah, and there was like a secondary combat encounter somewhere through there. Wow. And I was just like... Bleh. That's like, at least like three sessions. I know, right? But I didn't know that. I And, and so that was probably one of my worst one-shots that I, I ever ran. Hmm. Um, because at one one day, I actually ran that whole thing all the way through in one day. I wow. tried running it one time, and we got about a third way through it. And then I ran it again two weeks later when I went back to Des Moines. We started early in the morning and ended at like seven jeez i think we played for like nine hours wow and i ha we had to i was like we're getting through this whole freaking thing man. <laughs> we're doing it and i had my cousin his friend and his friend's brother and my sister all played and your sister played yeah wow. yeah um and so we all played and it was fun it was it was cool but it was my first time ever dming something ever all the way through and uh, that was my first experience. And good golly, it was a whole mess, man. Mm -hmm. But uh, nonetheless, that was a bad one shot because it had way too many events in it. I was way too ambitious with it. But in the one that we ran uh, just the other day, it was go to the tavern, get some inciting incident information, go to the house, fight some Skeckletons, mm -hmm. walk through a, a hallway, maybe find something cool. Fight the bad guy. That was it. The end. You don't need to do anything too crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Which, you, by the way, I am still very proud of how we went through that one shot. I feel like I demolished yeah, it. Yeah, you guys did great. Um, so, Bonk, what's your least favorite one shot that you've ever done? The most, like, negative experience I've ever had with the one shot wasn't necessarily the one shot. Yeah. It was the people that I was playing with. That sucks. It always feels bad when you have, like, bad chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I was playing with a group of friends that I am actually no longer friends with. This was in high school, so 
a while ago. Sure. But uh, I don't even remember what the premise of the one shot is. I just remember having an awkward time. The people that I was playing with, I'm... I started off my journey into role-playing games very casually. I liked light, fun atmospheres where we would go in and, like, talk to some people, get some loot, mm-hmm. kill some things, get some more loot, yep. get another quest. Yeah. Good times. Yep. This was, I think, approximately the opposite of that. It was a political one-shot. Yeah. Which, in and of itself, was interesting. Not impossible to be done yeah but the people that were playing it were very rules lawyer heavy oh boy and i had not ever experienced rules lawyers ever oh, i was a very man. inexperienced young lassie mm-hmm. and they got very upset with me not knowing that's always really annoying when you're trying to like just have fun and yeah. someone will be like oh well you don't know this rule then like you're an idiot like, um well this spell doesn't actually work like that so you can't even cast it in the first place blah, 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 blah. Like, I mean, what? that's it's totally reasonable to be like, oh, hey, you know, Brooke, do remember that that's a second level spell and you don't have any spell slots for second level. Mm-hmm. So there's a difference between being that and then being, you know, rude about it. Um, and there's a difference between doing that and just being like maybe talking to someone after the game mm-hmm. about making a mistake like that. Because fun fact, the first time I'd ever played a game with Brooke, uh, she cast Shatter at level one. So. <laughs> Don't remind me. Which is a level two spell. Don't remind me. (laughs) I looked over and I was like, what? And then I was just like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to wait till after the game. And that's different with one shots. But Mm -hmm. I think that's just kind of a rule where you're like, hey, maybe talk to the DM. Like, don't bring it up. uh, Like, don't be too aggressive or rude, especially if you don't know the person. You know what I mean? So um, being kind with your friends and being like, oh, hey, just remember, like, that's a second level spell. Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to be rude, but. I don't think you have any first level spell slots unless there's something I don't know, which is totally okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, try to be gentle when, th- when that happens. Even if you are a rules lawyer, there's ways to be rules lawyers while being nice. You know what I mean? Like, I'm a rules lawyer, but I'm also a rules of cool lawyer. So, you know, sometimes you just got to like back away and be like, I know that rules there, but I can't. I'm not going to, like, throw it in someone's face, you know what I mean? Call it rule of cool lawyer, but your honor. That <laughs> kickflip was dope. Your honor, I watched him do a dolphin flip. For everybody who's out there who is a skateboarder, for real, they know what I'm talking about. Shout out to uh, South California skateboarders and the dolphin flip. That shit is wild. Um, I'm so confused. The dolphin flip is nuts um i believe it i'll show you a dolphin flip after this okay uh but nonetheless yeah uh rule of cools lawyers are way more fun than rule rules lawyers well i'm sorry that you had to figure had to um you know go through a political campaign or a political one shot like that did you leave the one shot frustrated or did you like have any fun or like what was your kind of like pull away from that well i First of all, these were actually really good friends that I had, and like playing that one shot really brought out a different side of them, and I was yeah. kind of shaken to my core, because you think you know a person, and yeah. then you sit down at the table with them, and it's like, that person doesn't even exist. Yeah. But, I don't know, I strayed away from playing one shots, or getting really involved in campaigns for a while, yeah. just because I didn't want to see my friends act like that. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you can have real good friends, but you just don't want to play D&D with them. 
that's that's fair. And sometimes that leads to both things, right? You can you can have people that you don't really like like a ton, mm-hmm. but they're pretty good to play D and D with. It can go both ways, you know what I mean? Um, but okay, um, so we've talked about minimal. Let's talk a little bit more about minimal encounter amount and why oh. it's so important. Um, I would say. If I go off into a tangent here and you have any questions, please ask me because I know that there are some pieces in this conversation where it's very DM centric mm-hmm. and some pieces where it's not, right? And so if you have any questions, please let me know. How do I, if you're in a tangent and I can't stop you, how should I stop you? Just hold your hand up like this. For everybody who is listening, my hand is up. I'll raise my hand. Okay. Yeah. Um, so. Wait to be called on. Yes. All right. No, uh, either way. I'm kidding. <laughs> um... Fun fact, that's how a lot of announcers and like sportscasters do that. They'll put their hand on a table mm-hmm. and they'll and that'll say, Oh, I have a point to say. So if you have a moment to wrap up and pass the pass the um proverbial buck to me, yeah, uh, then that's what it would be. So that's that's actually how a lot of people do that. Cool. Um so minimal encounter amount, that's super important because um you don't want your players to get bored, right? Like, as, as people are going through, if you're, like, learning things, um, like, for example, let's talk about the one that we had last Sunday. Um, if you have new players, you don't want to make, like, a lot of crazy stuff. You know what I mean? Pulling them through that entire nine-hour one-shot would be a bad idea, right? Um, and there was a lot that they had to take in as they did that. Um, and so I would say make a minimal encounter amount. And especially if you're making it for new players, make great mechanics introducers because, you know, a lot of new players don't really know how to speak in character or be in combat, right? And so try and give those to your players really, um, really sequentially and, and in small doses, right? Because, like, let's say you start off in a tavern and you have the barkeeper and you say, okay, well, the barkeeper will talk to them. He has a couple things he wants to say hidden. And if they roll good enough on persuasion, he'll tell them, right? And that's basically what I said in my in my one shot the other day. And it allowed people to figure out how to talk in character, right? Learning how to do that as a early player is really valuable, right? And then for the rest of the session, they can talk in character to the rest of the people, right? And then as you get into um, later parts where you want to introduce combat, put a combat encounter in front of your people that is easy as hell. Like just show them like you can get through a couple rounds of combat, only one or two, right? Keep it super simple. Don't put them up against a bunch of encounters that make it crazy unless you're like trying to go off the rails with your one shot, right? Which might be the thing that you're enjoying, right? Maybe you want a bunch of encounters that are terrible and difficult. Um, but that's that's you. And this is me, I guess, things that I've learned that I find success in. Um, so the first one, you guys dismantled a bunch of Skeggletons. Woo! And you basically took, a bu- took them apart and made the fight easier for yourself too. So um, uh, I would say an overarching thing for the entirety of a one-shot is reward your players for being creative, man. When they get those good, good brain movements, you got to make sure that they feel good for them. You know what I mean? Because when when they make decisions like, oh, I'm going to dismantle these skeletons because I I feel like, um, you know, they might be coming to life or something like that. That's good. When your players cast detect magic and walk through your building and say, oh, I'm seeing magic on these places. Reward them for that. 
right? Um, when they put holy water on their hand and shake a contact's hand just yes. to just to see if they're a vampire, yes. then Brooke did that, yeah. yeah. Then reward them for that, right? Um, and so you want to make sure that you provide places for them to be creative um, and then give them that easy encounter. If you are saying, oh, I want to introduce them to the, uh, to the hidden, like um, a trap or two, and then maybe a hidden door to some place that might have loot. Mm -hmm. That's great. That'd be cool. Um, and then uh, from there, do the boss, right? Every good one shot has a boss, mm -hmm. right? That's a super simple formula, right? And I don't think that I'll be doing it exactly like that every time. But having those kind of small pieces of like slowly introduce your players to different things as you go along, that's really valuable to make sure that the players are engaged and learning and not feeling overwhelmed all at the same time. So um, I would say that that's kind of what I would say for minimal encounters. Try and find those small pieces that fit together that give your players the ability to have agency, but also learn. Mm -hmm. oh, um, gosh. Actually, yeah. sorry, that reminds me. I was in a pirate one shot once, and this was when I was still kind of a baby to D&D. &D. Mm -hmm. I distinctly remember that the first encounter that we had was after our ship had... What is it when a ship harbors itself on land? Uh, well, I, I knew it. Um, I know, it's on the tip of my tongue. I can't think of it. Yeah, well, now I'm bummed. You should just continue. The ship crashed into land. Well, it didn't crash. We gently shoved it in the sand. Yeah. But I distinctly remember that our first... Beached? I guess. Is it beached? I think so. Maybe. Like a beached whale? Beached ship? Yeah, beached ship. Who Anyways. knows? Someone with nautical knowledge will come in and... In the comments, you can say that there's a beached ship. There's no comments, you fools. You could email us at journeysrestpodcast at gmail.com telling us to correct our or nautical knowledge. they could tweet at us. You could also tweet at us at, at a journey's rest. Mm -hmm. um, so, nonetheless, continue. You have beached your ship. We beached our ship. I was playing a turtle grandma who was a moon circle druid, which was very fun. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was doing, but I distinctly remember that our first fight was against six giant crabs. We were four people facing six big old crabs. What level were you? I think six. What? Okay, sure. I mean, that's actually pretty fair, right? Because giant, giant crabs are... What, 25 HP or so? 35 HP or so? That's pretty fair. I mean, that's a big fight, but mm -hmm. nonetheless. So well, what happened? This was a while ago, and as you know, I have a notoriously awful memory. Sure. I mean, I'm like 100% sure we defeated them because we mm -hmm. did. nobody died, and we did continue through the one shot. Yeah. So I don't know exactly what happened. I think my preferred form... I want to say it was some kind of wolf creature, mm -hmm. even though it was a turtle. And is this besides the point? Is this just you uh, sharing another example of one of your favorite one shots? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, I was relating back to the minimal encounter amount. Oh, just sure. Because we faced giant crabs, uh, we faced cultists, mm -hmm. and then we faced the cultists like 
the sort of granddaddy sure afterwards yeah keep it simple if, and especially if you're doing a combat one shot just like fight 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 good enough mm-hmm. you know what I mean? doesn't have to be complicated fight 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 easy enough another good one shot that we've been in i think story-wise player-wise maybe a little iffy um was the one that our friend uh beethan ran i actually thought that one shot was wonderfully written it was. It was wonderfully written. I almost forgot about that. Wow. Yeah. We we played uh, some kobolds named T and Doe, mm-hmm. and they were fantastical, and I loved them. They were so annoying, um, though. I, no, they weren't annoying. They were they were charismatic, uh, <laughs> with, a charisma, or with a charisma of eight. Yes, um, yes, yes. Uh, But nonetheless, it was super simple. We got caught on a boat. We got put on an island. The person said, this creature has the ability to help you get off the island. You go and you fight the creature. That was it. Super simple. Very fun. Bomb door wyvern. Yeah, bo- it was a bomb, bomb, door, do- a bomb door wyvern. <laughs> oh, man. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, long do- long running joke. If you've seen the uh, the elemental wyvern generator uh, that we posted a, a couple weeks back on episode 11, then you will also have seen, um, you will know that my friend, uh, Beethan, when I was making that, I was asking people, man, like, what are some cool things that we could add into this? And he said, you should create a wyvern <laughs> that has a bomb door <laughs> in its chest. <laughs> and, and, and it just drops eggs out of its chest. But instead of normal eggs, they explode. <laughs> and I said, Bethan... That's fucking hilarious, <laughs> but also completely not going into there. Mm-hmm. But there is, I, I did leave in the code, there is a reference to bomb door wyverns in the code. There is actually like a bomb door wyvern reference in the code for the for the actual generator. You know, I think Beethan would like that. Yeah. So, Beethan, if you actually listen to this podcast, then you can go back and look through my GitHub and find it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so we did that. That, that was cool. Um, I thought that was another really good example of minimal encounters. Um, it was thematic, which is something that we'd also like to talk about. Um, theme mm-hmm. across one shots. Consistent theme is super important, whether it be, um, you know, kind of like gothic or whether it be pirate or it be... Infinite uh, Ikea. Infinite Ikea, right? Um, theme is super important. I've gone through a couple one shots before where I was just like, ah, the theme is all over the place. Like, are we, are we being humorous? Are we being serious? Are we trying to be in character? Do we care about being character? Um, you know, trying to figure all that out at one time is super crazy hard to do. And if Mm -hmm. people aren't willing to stay in the same space as you, then it can be frustrating. So, um, I would say one of the biggest thing that, uh, that is important in, having a one shot is building stakes and keeping atmosphere and tension all together. Um, Because I think that I've experienced one shots before where I will get all the way through them. And then the DM will be like, Oh, that was, that was where I ended my writing. And I was just like, what? Like, what do you mean? What? (laughs) What? What's going on? Yeah. I've had a, I've had a one shot before where they were like, well, I didn't write anything after that. So I don't really know what else to do. And I was like, what? I want to play more D&D. And then the stakes were immediately just like dropped on the ground. You know yep. what I mean? And I was like, oh man, like I had like, there was so much buildup here. Uh, and, and so that can be really frustrating. Mm-hmm. But like, I think some, what are, what do you think are some good ways to uh, keep tension 
and also keep atmosphere and everything like that all together. I mean, I think the most important thing before you even start the session is to get everybody on the same page about how yeah. things are going to go down. Yeah. Well, not how things are going to go down. Generally, what we want to get out of our one shots. Sure. And sort of establish like, hey, we're going into this. This is a political one shot. We need to be relatively serious character or we're going into an infinite ikea we need to stay serious but also we're in an infinite ikea so you're gonna have to get creative yeah yeah no i agree i think one of my favorite tools is music um really i think i really like using music to kind of keep a tone um uh i think i find it useful to kind of like keep certain musical cues on either loop or you know like Finding similar musical styles is really valuable to me to make sure that I, I give people the same tone throughout the entirety of a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I use music a ton in, in my D&D games, even if some people mute it sometimes. Broke. It's hard for me to focus. I'm sorry. <sighs> I put a lot of effort into my musical choices. No, I'm kidding. Um, either way, uh, I think that uh, music is super valuable for me to, um, to create a consistent tone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something that really intrigues me, like one shots or overarching campaigns, mm-hmm. is how NPCs interact with the world. Yeah. Because you're thrown into a one shot and you kind of have to get acclimated to the world. Yeah. So finding out how NPCs do their thing, how they react to you, how they react to the things that are going on, what yeah. they care about, really, I feel like, is an underrated way to set the tone for. Yeah one shots unless there are no npcs yeah creating distinct npcs is super important Mm -hmm. right just making sure that you have npcs that um you know have an explicit purpose cut out the chaff man like in in normal DD games you can have like a like a myriad of npcs you can have like 15 dudes that just walk around the city and are homeless and then you can have like 80 guys that just like are on a boat somewhere and they don't even have to have names right but cutting out the chaff for a one shot in any place that you can including npcs is incredibly important Mm -hmm. making sure you have distinct ones is incredibly important because they need to be able to be useful in your one shot in one way or the other or they are just like why are they there you know what i mean yeah um so I think that that is that is super important for me. Mm-hmm. I think in our Sunday one shot, we interacted with three NPCs: mm-hmm. barkeep, quest giver, boss. And then I don't really count yeah. the skeletons because they weren't alive. Yeah, but I'm sure they were lovely people at one point. Yeah. Oh, and and the people who listened to the performance of both Nadir and Elmon. Did they interact with them? They kind of like did because they got some money from it. But like that was more of like a improvised mm. bard thing. And I improvised all those NPCs too. They were only they were only existing to the extent of how they could benefit the players. So. By giving them money. Right. Really or, the most important Or making part. them feel rewarded for performing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the most important part. Giving them money is only but a measure of how appreciative the people were for their performance. But nonetheless... Yeah, I mean, there were only three. That was still, like, coming from somebody who played in that one shot, 
that is still like on my top five list of favorite one shots. Good. Like it was impactful in the ways that it needed to be. And it felt really rewarding because everybody that was in that one shot, credits to everybody who was in that one shot, you know who you are if you're listening. (laughs) Despite them being new players, they had a lot of creativity and a lot of ideas that they brought to the table that really made, I don't know, it made the one shot just fun. Yeah. Just fun to be in. Yeah. And I I think, um, I think that was awesome, right? I, I really enjoy when players get into one shots like that. And I think that the, it also helps that we were kind of all on the same page of, you know, m- wanting to make sure that everybody was having a good time, especially mm-hmm. in their first couple games of like D&D with us, I guess. So yeah. um, that was super important. And we had all, um, you know, we're, we were all good friends. We'd been hanging out all weekend. So, you know, that was something that was super important to us. So, um, yeah, but... Going back to NPCs really quickly, I would say an, an easy way to make distinct NPCs for a one-shot are to give them direct goals and to say what things are they hiding and what things are they willing to give freely, right? And if you do that, then you've got really great distinct NPCs, right? Mm-hmm. You can make them look however they, however you want. Um, maybe that's pertinent to the story. Um, maybe it's not. Uh, but I think that having a distinct understanding of what the NPCs want to do and what they want to accomplish in the one shot is super important. So like, for example, the barkeep, he knew his goal was to make money and, and his secondary goal was to not allow any monster hunters into his bar. Um, there had been, uh, there had been a problem as of late where if monster hunters came into the bar, into a bar, the people of the town would kind of, you know, chide you and, um, and kind of chastise you for having monster hunters in your bar. And so anytime he saw a new monster hunter, he would try and tell them to get out. And as he saw our monster hunters come in, he was a little upset. And so, um, his goal was to, um, not talk to monster hunters. He wanted to make money, but he also wanted to keep hidden that his bar used to be a monster hunter centric bar because that's how he lost a lot of his business. Mm-hmm. Um, the other character, uh, who was Zeliana, uh, she knew that her goal was to stop people from being taken by this vampire. And the thing that she was freely willing to give was the information that she had about like where she was coming from. Like, you know, the letter that she was giving you guys was like, I want you to come help me investigate this bell tower, um, which had a vampire in it. You know, whoop de do. But, uh, you know, some weird thing had been going on with her, and what she didn't know and what she wanted to keep secret was that she was actually a half-vampire, um, and that she didn't even know that, uh, but that was something that could have been gotten through many different means, which was eventually gotten. Uh, and then our last person was uh, our vampire, who wanted to um, consume the souls of mortal people. That was his whole goal. That was it. And he he has some weird ways to do in that. Um, Bell towers and hypnotizing people were essentially the way that it went. But yeah, I mean, like, very succinct goals. I didn't really have much more than that. You know what I mean? And that was all it really had to be, Mm -hmm. right? And so uh, making succinct and um, distinct... NPCs for one shots is a great way to allow people to gain a ton of information because I've been in one shots before where I will walk in and it'll just be like boop you're in this place 
Go. That's and that's all the exposition I get. You know what I mean? You're here. You're here. Go. I'm like, what? <laughs> Run along now. Right. So like, getting exposition, like having NPCs who even just have a little bit of information is super valuable, mm-hmm. right? Um, so distinct and succinct NPCs. So I mean, the yeah. infinite IKEA one shot. We didn't really interact with many NPCs besides the mannequins. Well, which but that's I the thing, really right? You got an inciting incident of you're looking for a scientist, mm-hmm. and then the NPCs, which are the mannequins, are distinctly giving you a scary feeling. That's very direct, mm-hmm. right? Their intentions are very direct. Yes. Um, I think maybe the only NPCs that we actually interacted with that weren't mannequins were the people at the other end of our comms telling us, hey, we think that there's a settlement. Yes, a settlement of people in this Ikea in this location. Go find them. And we did end up finding uh, that settlement of people. However, most of them had died. One of them had known of the scientist and told us where they went. I don't think we ever found the scientist. I think we died before that happened, but not a lot of NPCs accomplished a very specific goal in a very succinct, distinct way. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. You want to keep it minimal. You want to keep it um, useful to the characters. And like, for example, Beatrix, I had two NPCs in in your uh, other one shot. Fun fact, there was a um, a one shot that I I ran with uh, Brooke a while back where uh, she k- played a character named Beatrix, and it was like she found a dude who was floating on a piece of wood. She brought him up over the ship. They formed an emotional bond, and then they fought the bad guy. Super simple one shot. We didn't really fight. We ran for our lives. You killed him. Did we? Yeah, you beat him. With the yeah, with the cannon. Yep, and the whole point of that was uh, the the NPC there was specifically put in that place to challenge Beatrix's view of men. Beatrix didn't like men uh, because she was raised in an Amazon society. Amazonian. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, well, an Amazonian inspired society oh. of basically sea elf women that are like huge. Which is fucking dope. Buff. Yeah. She was kind of a runt, though. She was a runt. Yeah. Which meant that she was a normal human size. Yeah, exactly. I will say, it's not that she didn't like men. It's that she just had never been around them. Well, right. But her mother had also told her, remember, that men were bad. No, pirates were bad. Well, oh, yeah. Pirates were bad. That's true. Never mind. It was kind of implied in certain senses, but nonetheless, yeah. Either way, it was a while ago. Mm-hmm. You're right. It was pirates, though, for sure. Oh, yeah. She's but I do, super against pirates. I, I think I think the reason that I'm saying that was because I think the pirates that... No, no, I think I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, I think I'm just wrong. Okay, either way. Nonetheless, it happens. Yeah, it, it happens. Uh, I don't have to be right all the time. Um, but nonetheless, uh, it was this whole thing about like trying to kind of give her an idea of, you know, different stuff that, you know, she could experience outside influences on her life because she had never really had that before. Mm-hmm. And so having someone who was like super simply just like kind of a good person and was just looking for some help um, allowed her to, um, you know, allowed her to grow, which was the importance of that character. I distinctly remember pulling this guy up on the ship and then tying him to one of the masts of a ship 
even though he was unconscious. Yeah. And waiting for him to wake up. Oh, I don't think you had ever seen a man before. Was that it? No. No, it had to have been. I suspected that he might. I was afraid that he was you a were, pirate. Oh, gosh. I'm just messing this up so bad. I'm, I swear. Either I'm not way. a man hater. No, no. no I'm, I'm, I swear. I'm, I'm, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, that's She my suspected that he was a pirate. The only other like humans that she'd ever come in contact with were pirates. Yeah, that, so that's what it must have been. She assumed, just, oh, this person's a pirate. I'm we're just going to tie him up to the mast. Oh, he's unconscious. I kind of feel bad. Okay, maybe I'll untie him. Yeah. And then, turns out, super nice guy. Super cool guy. Yeah. Very dehydrated, very lost, very sad. Yeah. But, yeah, so, I mean, th- those were pretty distinct NPCs. Very minimal amount of encounters. So. And then he ended up dying. Well, that's a spoiler. Were we, pl- were we planning on talking about this one shot in yeah, death? eventually. Oh, man. Yeah. Well... Hopefully people will forget it by the time that we get there. You can just edit that out. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to edit it out, are no. you? No. Oh, my gosh. Whatever. Either it's, way. It's fine. It's no fine. big deal. Well, uh, Brooke, I don't think I have really a lot more to talk about. I think that we've gone over pretty much most of what we can with one shots. I think we're doing... Um, I think we've gone through pretty much mostly what I wanted to talk about. Um, making distinct encounters. Mm-hmm. Making distinct NPCs. Or, sorry, limited encounters. Distinct NPCs. Consistent feel. And being upfront about what you are going to be playing in the one shot uh, with, with your players. Like having a mini session zero. Words. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. I think that's pretty much all I wanted to talk about. Do you want to talk about anything else? No, but I am curious. When this podcast stops, how are we getting home? Yeah. So that was the thing. Basically, we are... So so here's here's how this works, okay, right? Okay. We're, we're actually traveling backwards through time. Oh. But spatially as time goes backwards, the door to this office will eventually return back to its place in my house, okay. right? So as time moves backwards through space, we also move backwards and then through the dimensions we will eventually when this podcast stops that door will open to the inside of my house. But will sense? we find ourselves in the house? Do uh, we have to kill them? No, because technically they already died. Why? That's our show, everybody. I hope you enjoyed your wait, time. Uh, wait, if you Alan? have any other questions, I'd love to Alan? talk to you very soon. And wait, I, uh, I love you all. Sincerely, you're fantastic. Goodbye. Oh, God. Okay. (laughs) Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. The fact that you have made it here to the end means the world to us. If you enjoyed the show, consider sharing it with your friends. Or if you have the time, reviewing us on Apple Podcasts is a great way to show support. You can follow us on Twitter at A Journey's Rest or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash A Journey's Rest Podcast. If you have any questions for us to answer, you can send them in to journeysrestpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for sharing the precious pieces of your time with us, and we hope that the rest of your day is just as wonderful. See you again at our table soon.